On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, we'll be discussing the lyrics to Play in the Sunshine, a breath of fresh air that we get as a reprieve from the serious lyrical content of its sign of the times. Joining me on this episode again is Rhonda Nicole. Welcome back to the show, Rhonda. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Yes, glad to have you back. You know, you were on the show just a few episodes ago with another lover hole in your head, but uh, I wanted to... I asked you if you would join me for Play in the Sunshine. One of the main reasons, because uh, I know that you covered this song on the Prince Twitter thread series that we've been kind of doing, and we we wrapped it up for the Sign of the Times and Sign of the Times uh, Deluxe Edition songs just a couple months ago. But we we did that throughout the second half of 2020 into 2021. And um, you you covered this song, so I felt like, hey, Rhonda must like this song. She if she chose <laughs> this song to cover in a whole thread, you know, whole thread series. So happy to have you here to talk. Play in the sunshine. Thank you. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, for sure. It's a fun. It's a really fun song. As kind of as I alluded to in the introduction, "Sign of the Times." You know, the lead off song on the album is certainly a really serious song from a lyrical. Sp- perspective it's very stark in its uh, musicality uh playing the sunshine is like the complete opposite of that um from uh from a tonal standpoint from a lyrical standpoint musical standpoint and it's a and it's a good um way for prince to show kind of like the yin and yang of life you know with life uh, having lots of different um paths that we go down as human beings we can have a really bad day one day and then you know just push that aside and and try to enjoy life in spite of what some of the um, kind of the crap that surrounds us on a day-to-day basis or may make our lives more difficult than it needs to be. Uh, it's It was recorded in November of 1986, which kind of means that it was one of the more, one of the last songs, I guess, that you would say was recorded for the Sign of the Times album. Uh, the revolution had already been disbanded and... It was, you know, earmarked for Crystal Ball, as most songs off the album were. It wasn't the last song recorded for the album, but it certainly was towards the tail end of of recording songs for what was supposed to be Crystal Ball and up Sign of the Times. And I guess another thing I wanted to note is this is just another solo Prince song. He did all of the the music and, you know, the singing and instruments, with the exception of just some background vocals that you hear throughout from Susanna Melvoin. But besides that, it is a solo Prince song, which makes sense because at that point he had really no band, you know, <laughs> he hadn't really formulated the, uh, the sign of the times slash love sexy band yet. Uh, he was still working on creating that and, you know, the concepts around that band was still pretty fresh. I imagine as he hadn't even finished the album yet, let alone decided on a tour. So for you, Rhonda, what are some of your, like, just before we get into the lyrics, like, what does this song do for you personally? Does it uh, make you happy? Is it, um, like, what is it, uh, as far as its track listing, and as far as your perception of the song and enjoyment of the song, you want to offer some thoughts on that? Sure. Um, first of all, it does make me happy. Uh, I specifically relate this song to when it came out, and I think we talked about on the on the previous um, episode that you know we're around the same age, so we were, you know, tweens, if you will. Um, so when the Sign of the Times album came out in 1987, I was 12, and so I, it it definitely is a song that is seared into my mind because of that time. 
But it was also a song that I, re- I remember dancing to it around my room. And of course, like so many other Prince songs that you hear when you're relatively young, the lyrics and the meaning can change as you get older. But Play in the Sunshine has definitely always been a happy sounding song to me. And so like if I'm driving in my car and it comes on, I always find myself smiling and, you know, turning it up a little bit because it just really inspires that feeling of lightness and fun and dance around your room and all that kind of stuff for me still to this day. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that's, again, that's why I think it's a great follow-up track to Sign of the Times uh, for that reason. So it kind of tells the listener, if you're listening to this album, you know, as it's you know meant to be played through the track listing as, as Prince arranged it, you've got the opening song really grabs your attention, speaking of all the social ills. But then on the next song, he wants to lighten the mood a bit mm-hmm. and make sure that listeners know that, you know, no matter how awful the world is right now, you still have an opportunity for happiness. It isn't, you're not uh, doomed to, you know, live your life with all of this, all of the knowledge of what's going on around you that will overtake your mood. You can you can choose to still be happy if you find that sunshine, I guess, is kind of the way I look at it. And, and you know, having those two songs back to back certainly makes that point very strongly, I think. Definitely. All right. So. As we mentioned, very bouncy, very joyous song. And the lyrics are going to reflect that for sure. The The lyrics of this song, you know, as we were kind of talking about ahead of time, there's a lot of references to just uh, having fun, uh, enjoying life. And there's a lot of, actually a lot of lyrics to the song, period. So there's <laughs> multiple verses that he goes through and he sings them in quick succession. So there's not a lot of musical breaks in the first half of the song. Second half of the song, then, you know, he takes a little more time to explore some uh, different musical ideas that he wants to flesh out. And, you know, it goes a lot of different directions musically, which is cool, which also adds to the fun of the song, the overall fun of the song. But most of the lyrics are really kind of up front in the first, you know, first half of, of a you know, fairly long song for what it is. It's like at least five minutes, about five mm-hmm. minutes, give or take. And um, with that, I think we should probably get started since we do have quite a few lyrics to go through. <laughs> for sure. All right. So uh, right off the bat, I mean, the first thing he does in this song is he kind of says that, uh, ooh, doggy. <laughs> and that's how he kicks the song off. So right right there, you know that this is not going to be Sign of the Times Part 2. Uh, it's not even going to really be like a really um, uh, somber love song or, you know, uh, a song that's going to pull at your heartstrings. It's not designed to do that. It's It's designed to have fun and 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 you get that a sense for that within the, the first you know a couple seconds of of the song we want to play in the sunshine we want to be free without the help of a margarita or ecstasy we want to kick like we used to. Sign up on the dotted line. We're going to dance every dance like it's going to be the last time. So that's like the first grouping of lyrics. We'll call it the first verse for lack of a better term. 
So like in this opening verse, he's kind of, you kind of get the impression that playing in the sunshine, because that's how we, the first line of the song proper, we want to play in the sunshine, is, is a bit of a metaphor for just, you know, kind of being free. Um, yeah, you could literally go outside and play in the sunshine and that in theory can make you happy because, you know, um, if you live in a, an area where, you know, the sun is, is not that common, Minneapolis, for example, um, (laughs) you know, getting out there when the, when the sun does shine is an important mood lifter. Um, but if you live in a place where, you know, it's sunny more times than not, you might just take that to mean something else completely different and just like get out get out of your rut i guess and then and find some happiness be free with yourself and in your thoughts and in your body and your actions uh so what are some other like lines in this first section or words that you wanted to kind of point out i mean i have a couple but i want to let you get started on this one Rhonda. Something that that has always stood out to me is that little part without the help of a margarita or ecstasy. Um, And one of the reasons for that is because obviously kind of throughout Prince's discography, there's um, on some level, one, there's always this emphasis on having fun and being free and just, you know, kind of getting out of your head and, and all of that. And then, you know, you've got, sprinkled throughout his catalog songs where you have a bit of um, cautionary verbiage, I guess, about drugs and drinking and things of that nature. So he's never really used those references as a personal thing, like, you know, like some artists might do, Um, Mm. but more so like we don't need those things in order to have fun. But it's also, (laughs) honestly, it's kind of a weird you know, combination of things like margaritas and ecstasy. Is that even like, really? <laughs> Those are the, yeah. like, what made him think margarita? Because to me, like, <laughs> it's just such a weird, um, curious little uh, selection of, you know, of all the beverages to list, this is what we're going to come up with, as opposed to it being a little bit more general, like wine or even just saying, you know, alcohol. So that, that's mm-hmm. always interesting to me. And then the part about sign up on the dotted line, because I've never really understood what that meant. I've never known if there was a specific literal meaning to that, but I've always liked it because it it feels like it's like a lot of other things that Prince has done where he's inviting everybody to do it, It, inviting whoever wants to be part to be part. Um, And so, you know, I'd always be curious uh, to know what specifically sign up on the dotted line refers to, but even without knowing the specifics, I think that it gives the notion that everybody who wants to be in this fun excursion adventure that we're having is welcome. Yeah. The sign up on the dotted line gives me images of like Prince, uh, teaching a fun and funk class and he needs people to sign up to join. (laughs) Fun and funk. I like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the fun and fun class with Prince as your as your professor, uh, it, it, but yeah, you know it does it does kind of speak to like you need to you, it's not just going to happen for you. You need to you need to actively go for it and just like signing up for a class or or going forward and doing anything in life, you have to be the driver of that more times than not. Sometimes you're pushed, but some most of the time you you have to to want to do it and. 
what better analogy to use than say you have to sign up on the dotted line because nobody's going to take your hand and force you to to sign your name you have to sign up for it yourself and if you sign up for this this experience or whatever prince is going to take us on in this song you're going to be rewarded i guess is what kind of i get out of that as well true uh going back to the alcohol or drugs uh <laughs> comment um yeah the margarita line is funny and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the the use of the the word or the uh, the drink daiquiri banana daiquiri specifically in another lonely christmas which mm-hmm. is another kind of really bizarre odd drink to, to <laughs> choose i mean i can't imagine drinking enough banana daiquiris to make myself physically ill like he does in that song i mean and right. margarita i don't know maybe i mean if they're really strong you don't need that many i suppose and uh you know margarita is just a fun it's a fun word it's not as boring as beer or wine it's true it's got multiple uh syllables and it's just a fun word and ecstasy it fits it fits within the structure of the the song lyrically yeah yeah and just saying ecstasy as opposed to just generic drugs sure you know i mean it's (laughs) it's it's fun to pick a a drug, a, a, you know, a party drug of choice and, and, say, <laughs> and say you don't need this, and, which is which is fine. And yeah, absolutely. That's some that's a common theme. It's not like Prince never talks about alcohol, not less so drugs, but like ever talks about alcohol. He just there's usually some sort of common theme throughout his career where he has made a point in certain songs and it's lasted like i said his whole career where he wants to make sure you understand in his opinion that's just uh extra that is not needed in order to do whatever it is you want to do in life so yeah for sure all right and just uh that we're gonna dance every dance like it's gonna be the last time it's kind of like just another way of saying live life to the fullest really um I don't really get much more beyond that, but it is just another fun way of saying live live every day to the to the extreme. And it feels too like it it connects with 1999 in that sense, you know, which is a little bit more apocalyptic and not necessarily, I guess, especially if you really really understand where he was going lyrically with 1999, it was far more cautionary than it was was just party. But you still get that same idea of any day, all of this can end. So every time we have the opportunity to just find that joy and that freedom, we should, and we should just milk it, you know, like um, kind of taking it to that extreme of just partying until you just can't anymore and, and enjoying yourself until you've just exhausted that energy, you know? Mm-hmm. I get the same vibe from that line. Yeah, very much so. We got to all right so then he goes straight into that into another section of lyrics and those lyrics are we got to play in the sunshine turn all the lights up to 10 i want to meet you meet you kiss you kiss you love you love you miss you miss you do it all over again do it all over again. And this is where you kind of first hear Susanna's backup vocals. So I was trying to do, <laughs> I was trying to do the Prince and the Susanna vocals there. Of course. Because um, why not, all. you know? <laughs> we always sing all the parts. <laughs> yeah, you got to sing all the parts, exactly. The background vocals are there for a reason. Okay, so yeah, here 
these first like three, we're going to call them three verses. He does mention playing in the sunshine in the very first line. He doesn't say it exactly the same any of the times. It starts with, we want to play in the sunshine. This version is, we got to play in the sunshine. So goes from a, a want to a need almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, it's just kind of expanding on the the themes of the first verse with lines like turn it up to 10 or he says turn the lights up to 10 which i don't know my lights don't have number there's not no dial on my lights at my house i don't know if you do Rhonda, but <laughs> i mean i can see like a volume knob turning it up to 10 or something like that but that's usually where i hear that term but hey you know i guess if you want to turn the lights up to 10 i guess that makes it just means that it's really bright you know and it's gonna really shine bright like the sun potentially yeah 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 then the whole miss kiss love or no meet kiss love miss it's it's interesting because that's really kind of just uh speaking about the the life cycle of a relationship right i mean and he's not saying it in a way that's wistful it's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna meet you and i'm gonna kiss you and love you and then i'm gonna eventually miss you because you're gonna go away but i i I really enjoyed that ride you know it was Mm -hmm. a great it was a great ride. Let's do it all over again. And we'll again. do it again. <laughs> do it again because, you know, it was falling in love is supposed to be fun, you know, and, and that experience of loving, even even though often ends in loss, the end of, you know, whatever, the end of the relationship, end of your life, uh, it's worth it, I guess, is what he's trying to say. It's all worth it at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what I get out of it, at least. Definitely, definitely. Um, and I, I love that little section of, you know, meet you, kiss you, love you, miss you. Um, one, just because it's, it's just, it's cute. You know, it's, it's, and it's so light and, and unexpected, um, both within the context of the song and even just, you know, in the larger context of some of Prince's other writing. So it's just a really interesting way to, to your point to talk about the life cycle of a relationship. And then it also leaves you, with the opportunity to say, now, are we, you know, doing this with the same person over and over again, um, you know, until next time, or is it new? And which, you know, either way, it's cool, but again, it's it's also that hopefulness of we will have this relationship and we will have this these moments, and then it will happen again for both of us in some other setting at some other time. And, you know, there's something really hopeful and optimistic about that, that I, I, I kind of love now that I'm thinking about it in that sense. That's really sweet and, and a beautiful thought. Yeah. I like, I like that almost as somebody who's been married for almost 20 years, uh, I like the idea of applying that concept to a long relationship, not just yes. saying like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be the relationship cycle for one or two years. And then we're going to start over with somebody new. Uh, trying to, you know, kind of apply that to a relationship that's been in place for a very long time because the meat part is a very, you know, small por- portion of a very long relationship. And then the, you know, the, um, the miss part is in theory should be as well. And it all falls into that kiss and love, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but trying to go back to that and, and find ways to kind of go through that cycle, even in a relationship that you've been in for a very long time. Yes. Adds a lot of value, I think, and and maybe apply some learnings there for those of us who are who are have been in relationships for a very, very, very long time. For 
For sure. Mm -hmm. And and that's an interesting perspective, too, because you realize the longer you're in a relationship, people change. We all change. We grow. And part of keeping the relationship alive is learning to adapt and adjust to those changes as we age, as the relationship ages, all of that kind of stuff. I love that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We're going to play in the sunshine. We're going to get over As I mentioned, goes right into the next verse. We're going to play in the sunshine. We're going to get over. I'm feeling kind of lucky tonight. I'm going to find my four-leaf clover. Before my life is done, some way, somehow, I'm going to have fun. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll let you start this one. What um, What do you like about this one? What, what do you see here that intrigues you, interests you? I just love the imagery of, one repeating playing the sunshine again so you're really getting that point driven home that this is the activity this is the assignment <laughs> for this moment um you signed up for it you gotta do right the work. you've already signed on the dotted line so here's what, now we're getting started and then the notion to the contrast in saying we're gonna play in the sunshine and then i'm feeling kind of lucky tonight so again to your point about the sunshine maybe not being sunshine um, all the time, but just, you know, the, the brightness of the lights and, and all of that. Um, but still that sense of joy and lightness and fun. I love, you know, the way that he pulls that all together, you know, we're going to get over, I feel kind of goes back to the line about kick like we used to. There's some interesting to me, some interesting cultural, um, language there. Um, you know, cause in a, in a sense of how, for example, for example, um, um, AAVE or African-American vernacular English, we talk about kicking it and, and, you know, so forth. Um, and then also getting over, which goes back even further, um, as being kind of a, a, a lyric that you hear in a lot of gospel and spiritual music, um, that is more about, triumphing over adversity and getting past things that are hard and surviving things that are hard. So um, I kind of have always heard that lyric specifically in that, in that cultural sense, in that reference. Um, but still, it's not, it's not deep and it's not heavy. It's still a very light and, um, to me, very inspiring imagery that he paints throughout the song, and particularly with this particular section. Yeah, yeah, good point. Because it's not like I mean, so he says we're going to get over, but it doesn't exactly. He doesn't exactly get into the specifics about what what exactly what is it that <laughs> you have to get over. So you can you can look at it, you know, and you apply it to whatever it is in your life, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, you could just think of it just, you know, be successful in life, make it happen, you know, make, make stuff happen for yourself. And then talking about the luck, throwing in the luck aspect, uh, I'm feeling kind of lucky tonight. I'm going to find my four leaf clover adding those lines is, is interesting because it seems like he's 
usually trying to say, you know, you make, you're in charge of your destiny. You make the what it is of your life yourself. Uh, don't, you know, you don't need drugs or alcohol. You don't need all this other stuff. It just needs you and, and your focus and your energies. But, you know, maybe a little bit of luck wouldn't hurt too. You know, I mean, why not? Why not uh, throw a little luck in there and say, uh, in order to get over, sometimes you need luck. You really do. Because um, there are some people that I'm sure have not gotten over because of some really, some you know, a bad run of luck in their mm-hmm. life. There's some things that are just very difficult to to get over on and, and some luck would be helpful in those cases. So I, mm-hmm. it's just kind of an interesting way for him to put that in there in a song where you don't necessarily think that he's talking about that or, or explaining that it's needed in order to have fun or to do it. You, but why not? You know, what's, what does it hurt to throw, to try to take a lucky chance and, and, and maybe you'll find that four leaf clover and get it. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and also before my life is done some way, somehow I'm going to have fun and it kind of mm-hmm. goes back to the whole, you know, we got to dance every dance. Like it's going to be the last time, which was in the first verse. Wanted to make sure that, it's understood that uh, you know life is finite. There, it's not never ending. So you don't have forever to figure out how to live your life to the fullest and, and enjoy it. So, you know, before my life is done, we're gonna figure this out. I'm gonna have fun, and you know, whether it takes luck or just takes some hard hard work, I'm gonna have fun. So I, I like that, that too. I love that. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say. I wonder, and this is kind of going down a weird rabbit hole, but. In thinking about, for those of us who listen to a song like this in our formative years, like, I wonder how that, from a, I guess, psychological perspective, impacts how you look at life. You know, if, if, if you're listening to things where the person is really talking about finding light and having fun and, you know, living to the fullest what does that do to you and your developing mind as you're starting to figure out the world around you versus if you're listening to stuff that's a little bit more somber or if you're older when you encounter music like this and you've already had like the spate of stuff happening where you don't necessarily have something else in mind about what the possibilities are. Just, just kind of thinking about mm-hmm. you know, the impact of music like this on younger minds and, and how useful it might be in helping shape your worldview and your perspective of life. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. And you know what? Rabbit holes, it's all good because we have a reference <laughs> to a rabbit. We have a reference to a rabbit <laughs> do, later in the song. <laughs> so I had to make that connection. But uh, I'm all for it, you know, and that's what this is all about, kind of thinking outside the box a little bit. Before we move on, I did want to just kind of tie up the whole uh concept or not really concept but you know the the way that prince um started each of these first three verses with playing in the sunshine kind of reiterating not just the title of the song but i think he's trying to in a very simple way try to kind of tell a story here with these first lines we want to play in the sunshine and so then he tells you you have to sign the sign up on the dotted line Mm -hmm. we got to play in the sunshine and he's talking about you know this is where he has the little section about you know, the life cycle of love and the relationship. So at that point, you know, you got to do it. You got to, you got to go for it. And now we're going to play in the sunshine. But at this point, he never says we are playing in the sunshine. We want to, we got to, we're gonna, 
but it, it it's never like we are playing in the sunshine. He never says oh, that quite yet. So I wonder true. if he's he's still talking about like this is a concept that needs to be implemented, not necessarily something that is already taking place because he keeps acting like he's a, you know striving for this or wanting to do this before my life is done i'm gonna have fun which to me tells me that he hasn't quite gotten there yet or isn't quite to where he wants to be but he sees it you know in his mind's Mm -hmm. eye he sees it and it's gonna happen for himself so almost like a a self-fulfilling prophecy he's trying to um put out there in the world which i guess maybe if you think about how his life was in late 1986 and not to get like too deep into you know, his personal life when he wrote this song and recorded this song, but the revolution had just broken up. He was about to end his relationship with Susanna. Whether or not he knew it when he recorded the song, I don't know. Only only those two know, you know, what their life was like together in November mm-hmm. of 86. But this is on, it's on record as, as this being the last time that Susanna ever recorded anything with Prince. So, um, and I believe it was the very end of 86 is when they broke up. And I know this because I covered Wally, <laughs> the song that he did um, off the vault. He ended up on the Sign of the Times vault track, and that was kind uh-huh. of one of those response songs to uh, his breakup. And that was recorded in December. So just you know, a couple of weeks later, he was already singing a really kind of um, sorrowful song about a relationship ending. So yeah kind of makes you wonder if like he's singing the song and it's so joyous and it's making the listener happy, but you wonder how happy he was in this moment. And he was just kind of like, if I sing it, I put it out there in the universe. Maybe, maybe I will be this happy in a year from now or Mm. whatever, six months from now, this is what I want. And I'm not there right now for whatever reason. Also a rabbit hole. (laughs) So I thought I'd explore that and listeners can just, you know, tell me to, it's not that deep, man. Stop it. But, I like doing that kind of thing. Same. Every now and then. I do too. <laughs> it's Might fun. as well. Yeah. I mean, we have all the resources available to us. We have these people talking about their time with Prince and the, at this time his um, engineers and bandmates and people that knew him and can speak to, you know, his, uh, his frame of mind at the time. And so we might as well kind of listen to him and utilize their insight because mm-hmm. Prince isn't around anymore to kind of tell a story. Not that I, and I don't think he would. <laughs> I was, gonna, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. I, he's, you know, the fact that he was writing a an autobiography at the time, just mind blowing. Okay, so moving on then, in the lyrics, the next at this point he does have a little bit of a break. He does say playing the sunshine, and he got just very small amount of music in between the lines, which makes sense because now the whole lyrics, the verses kind of go off in a different direction, in my opinion. Like they start getting a bit more abstract in there than the thoughts that he's putting out there. And these maybe deserve a little little more attention than the first three from a dissection standpoint. We're gonna love all our enemies till the gorilla falls off the wall. We're gonna rock him. We're gonna roll him. We're gonna teach him that love will make him tall, so tall. <laughs> okay, all right. So where do we begin with this one? So the structure changes. He's no longer leading off with "We're gonna" or "Want to" or whatever. Got to play in the sunshine. He's not even talking about playing in the sunshine anymore. At least not in the 
the literal words he's putting out there. Uh-huh. So I think the line that probably causes the most head scratching would be the till the gorilla falls off the wall, right? I mean, that's the like most people <laughs> like look at what? And like, what is he talking about here? He's got to have it's got to mean something, right? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So I don't know. I'll let you start with that one if you don't mind if you have any thoughts on that. Otherwise, I I threw out a potential theory, but boy, so, it's a stretch. I think it's ironic that in the first verse we talk about not needing a margarita or ecstasy. And then we get to this really lovey space that kind of evokes how you might behave when you take an ecstasy. But anyway, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, I do not know this from personal experience because I've never used it, but certainly talking to friends who have, and they are always like, you know, ecstasy kind of makes you just, hella touchy-feely and lovey and so it's interesting to me that you've got this at the at the beginning of the song you've got this um edict that we don't need these things to make us free and happy and yet you have a reference that is not a direct reference but it's certainly evocative in in some ways of what you might experience in, including there's a gorilla on the wall. I don't think that the gorilla part, well, let me start over. Let me, let me go back. The love all our enemies, I think is um, absolutely right along every other common theme for Prince. It's something that exists in every, every era of his life. Um, From a musical perspective, this call for unity, this call for love, this unconditional love that does not rely on anything other than just the fact that we are. Um, so it makes sense thematically with this song as well. And then as we start to get into some of the more obscure um, or sort of fantastical imagery, it almost feels kind of Alice in Wonderlandy. Like now we're kind of going off in our imaginations about all of these figures or ideas that are larger than life or... Um, rather fantastical, but they still, at the end of the day, represent, you know, just this need for love and freedom and light and togetherness that I think is what the song is really trying to drive forward. I have absolutely no idea, though, what the gorilla reference is. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's, um, it's obviously, again, not literal, (laughs) like there's not an Mm -hmm. actual gorilla but like, what is that meant to, to mean? And maybe it's, it's a similar, in, in Prince's mind, perhaps similar to like what we say about the elephant in the room. So like the big thing that people are trying to avoid. I don't know, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, girls are big, right? I mean, they're, <laughs> they're the, the beasts of the primate kingdom. So they're big, bad, strong uh king kong comes to mind you know and then his size uh also you get imagery i get imagery at least also of the use of the the metaphor of monkey on your back like if you have something mm. that is bothering you or that is not really bothering you, but something that is um kind of preventing you from again achieving your goals and if you know a lot of times it's used in reference to drug or alcohol addiction you mm-hmm. know to, to to, to kick the monkey off your or shake the monkey off your back and, and basically beat addiction. So it's very commonly referred to as um, 
Uh, and that, again, that could be a stretch, but I'm just thinking like, what are some images that I get in my head when I hear gorilla and I, and, and the way it's used, you know, he's basically saying it's something that they gotta, they gotta basically knock some sense into him. We're going to rock him. <laughs> we're going to roll him and we're going to teach him that level, make him tall, make him tall. Okay. I mean, it's a gorilla. Already pretty tall. So <laughs> I guess. But I think it's just I think you're you're on the right track and and I think combining that which is thought that gorillas are big they're ne- they're bad they're they're can be mean uh, not easy to tame not easy to control and so you just gotta if you have one of those in your life whether it's a person place or thing and that you just have this gorilla that you need to either remove or teach them the the fun and funk way of prince and say we're gonna <laughs> we, we gotta we gotta get this gorilla of yours on this on the same page as the rest of us if you're yeah. gonna achieve this happiness and and allow yourself to play in the sunshine because he might just be this big shadow over you all the time that prevents you from even enjoying the sun when you're outside so i like that yeah, I'm open to any other um, alternate takes from anybody listening. So if you have, like, yeah, no, duh, gorilla means this, dude. <laughs> so, Seriously, uh, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I, I, I have never, in the in the 30-something years that I've been listening to this song, I've never been able to figure out exactly what the gorilla reference is. But, you know, I will also say that, you know, as a songwriter, from my own perspective, I understand the use of you know, metaphor and, and so so forth and so on. And sometimes even with songwriting, you kind of just throw something in there and not really throw it in there unintentionally because absolutely with Prince, we know that everything was intentional, but you might call on different kinds of imagery or language use um, that isn't quite so on the nose or uh, such a, a linear narrative. So that's why I always kind of think of like this Alice in Wonderland imaginatorium thing happening in his head, you know, that may have just been like, yeah, let's just go with that. But that's actually exactly what I'm trying to say. And everybody else may be puzzled by it, but I know what I mean when I say it. Well, you know? I, yeah, you're totally, I think, on the on a very astute path there because the next <laughs> grouping of lyrics are... Pop goes the music when the big white rabbit begin to talk. And the color green will make your best friend leave you. It'll make him do the walk. But that's cool. Because one day, every day will be a yellow day. And that's play. So Al's wow. in Wonderland, white rabbit. I mean, you're yeah. right on the money there. So um, I think the most common, when people think of white rabbit, or you hear the words white rabbit together, there's like two things people think of primarily and I'm open to others as well of course but you've got the song White Rabbit from Jefferson Airplane from the 60s which is a very yeah. psychedelic drug referencing song but what they're talking about even you know the songwriters there say that they took their inspiration from Alice in Wonderland so 
kind of all goes back to Alice in Wonderland at the end of the day when we're talking about the White Rabbit, you know, as a reference. Uh, and back to the whole psychedelic drug thing. So, yeah, he mentions don't need ecstasy, but then he throws in these references in the second like, second section sure? of the song that, <laughs> are, that do have psychedelic connotations to them, no matter how you how you line it out. So yep. it's, it's, I mean, it is what it is. So pop goes the music when the big white rabbit begin to talk is a, is a very kind of interesting couple of lines um, that you, people can, you know, apply or just kind of talk about their own theories of what he's talking about here. Pop goes the music. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I really don't, I don't have a whole lot of uh, insight there um, other than just, throwing some kind of interesting uh, references to Alice in Wonderland to kind of go down, keep going down this path of, <laughs> of, um, you know, abstract thoughts. Um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about white rabbit, but if you don't, well, first of all, do you? <laughs> the only, I, I, I wasn't aware of the Jefferson airplane song, so I have to go check that out now. Um, definitely think that, considering Prince's age, that that could have very well been a song that he would have been familiar with and would have heard and, and may have, you know, had some kind of inspiration from. Um, but also, and of course, Alice in Wonderland. But for me, again, you know, considering my age when I first in encountered this song, I always thought, of, I always imagined the big white rabbit is like literally the Easter bunny. Um, so that's what it always looked like in my, in my mind and not, you know, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. But I think it's interesting taken as a whole, taking that entire uh, verse as a whole. First of all, with the pop goes the music I've always thought was his take on pop goes the weasel, which, um, is probably where anxiety started for so many of us. Cause you know, the whole, you're winding up this thing and then the pop goes mm -hmm. the weasel. Um, but also the word pop and the way that they say it, it's, um, you know, you've got this song that's already very busy musically. It's loud and it's bright and it's fast and it's active. And then you've got pop. And that adds kind of another dynamic element, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't know what, you know, it signifies, but again, it, it shifts the energy ever so uh, slightly once more. And then you kind of continue on this sort of psychedelic imagery ride. But I think it's also curious to note that you've got the big white rabbit and then the reference to the color green, which obviously I think we would all understand as being jealousy and envy um, and, and how that can ruin friendships. And certainly we all know that. Um, and then we end with the yellow day, which again is something else that comes up quite a bit in Prince's writing. And I, I referenced that, I think, in my um, Twitter thread about the song, because it's always kind of like the idea of the yellow day is, I guess, for lack of a better term, it's, it's whatever the best day of your life is. Like, it's, it's kind of the um, utopia, if you will, in, in Prince language and imagery. So, yeah. but it's interesting now as we're taking the lyrics apart to see that we're starting with the white rabbit and then the color green and then the color yellow. And I'd be like, if Prince were still here to talk us through this, I would be so fascinated to hear him talk about how those colors came to him 
and and mm-hmm. why and, and 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 why in that you know does it mean something more than just you know words that you're using to describe a feeling is there a, a reason behind the sequencing of those colors that that would all just be so fascinating to know or if anybody else knows if yeah. there's any significance uh, symbolic significance to that yep yep this is definitely the color verse for sure where he throws <laughs> those colors out there uh do you think that talking about envy and then throwing out there that it'll make him do the walk but that's cool oh is my there god any reference oh my to god morris, morris day <laughs> i never even noticed that probably because you know prince was petty <laughs> and um <laughs> and, and it's funny because some friends and i were literally just a few days ago on facebook talking about how much we enjoyed prince being petty because he was funny with it he was funny and then sometimes very you know not funny in the sense that he's hurting people's feelings but but his petty game was was marvelous and even in his lyrical references i think now that you pointed out it probably was it just you know? feels too coincidental or it, feels too much like like can't be just coincidental yeah yeah and considering you know 86 although you know everything with the time that had kind of already been over for a while it's it still yeah, a couple years probably not fully over you know yeah you know when you think about it it's been two it was about two years it was like late 84 when mm-hmm. the time broke up because you know it was during the whole promotion of the purple rain movie and everything and they were already done he was done with morris that is was done with the time but two years isn't really that long. Think back no. to two years ago. Yeah, it feels maybe it's maybe right now is not a great reference point to think of two years ago when it's pre-pandemic and everything. But as adults, two years is nothing. You know, it's it, nothing. It, it goes so fast. And for Prince in writing the song in late '86, thinking mm. back to just two years ago, he, you know, Morse Day was a close friend of his, and things did not end well between them. A lot of jealousy and a lot of envy, and and it's not all Morris's fault. I mean, there was no fault to, to, to go on <laughs> both sides for sure. At least from you know every account that I've ever read. Or sure, heard. and of course but, Morris was starting to work on solo stuff around that same time, so I could definitely see it being a, a bit of a dig. Yep, I mean, "The Walk" and "Cool" were two time songs that Prince wrote for Morris, and kind of so they he didn't cite. Uh, Morris's solo stuff at this point. He's citing, like, I wrote the song. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for you, and now you're jealous and envious of my success, even though without me. I, I'm just paraphrasing. I don't know if this is what Prince was thinking, but I can see him kind of, like, in my in his head. You're leaving me, but why are you famous to begin with? Exactly. Why do people even yeah. know your name? It's because I did. Yeah. yeah. That's a really... Yeah, I could see that. And he's so clever to couch it that way that, you know, all these years later, we're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Make him do the walk. All right. So I'm sure uh, it'd be be interesting to know if anybody else out there. I'm sure other people have thought of that as well. Can't be the first. Let's see. What do we have next in terms of lyrics? So really, actually, after that, there's not a lot of new lyrics. So, I mean, there's a lot of song left. And... You know, if this was anything more than just a lyrics podcast, we'd have a lot to talk about in terms of music, <laughs> what's going on. I mean, they they talk about play a lot. He repeats, we're going to play in the sunshine, we're going to get over, feeling lucky tonight, going to find my four-leaf clover. That's repeated. Before my life is done, I'm going to find some way to have fun. 
And there's a couple of things though I did want to point out towards the end. Of, well, not you know in the second second half of the song for sure that are unique. They're not necessarily so much lyrics as they are just kind of kind of fun breakdowns. One is the whole play, and when him and Susanna are basically fighting. He, Prince, I, I like to call this, this is the part of the song where Prince gets bullied into having fun. He's like, she's like, play. And he just said, no, play, no. no, come on, play, no. And finally, like, yeah. Like, he's like, fine, I, I'll have fun if you sit. <laughs> it's a very cute exchange. I've always liked that part. That, you know, going from him yelling, let's play at the end of that verse that we were just talking about, you know, and then into kind of the chorus again. And then that breakdown where, you know, it's play, play, play. I love that it's mm-hmm. it's a lot it definitely is fun and it just feels like it, it that part kind of reminds me of like when you're little and your friends are out you know you and your friends are out playing and and you decide to like run down a hill really fast and you just lose control of yourself mm-hmm. and maybe you fall or you know you just can't like stop your legs but there's that's so much fun and you know you kind of crash at the end but it's when you're in the in the moment doing it it feels like there's just nothing that's ever going to be greater than this than just this moment of complete abandon you know and that's what that part feels like yeah for sure it's uh he he gives in to the pressures of playing (laughs) (laughs) and but he does so in a way that you know you're just kind of like you, you feel like uh he's being lifted up, you know, in the air by all of his friends. Like, yeah, we got him to play. And we're, this is going to be the best time ever. And uh, the way he screams it, you know, it just, just makes you smile. I mean, I guess that's that's (laughs) the intent. If it, if the intent is to make you smile while you're listening to it, uh, kudos, because it works every time for me. And I think it's also interesting that, especially with the, the sign of times super deluxe that we've just dissected um, over the past few months that, you know, for example, the concept of fun is another commonality. It's another uh, through line for his work. Um, I, I was really struck, for example, listening to the, um, the Power Fantastic uh, cut that's on that particular, uh, on the deluxe set. And where he's giving the direction to the band and they're getting ready to record. And he's like, just have fun. You know, this is the fun, this is the fun version. Yeah. And it's like, this is such a not fun song. So like, what are you talking about? This song is so emotional. <laughs> what are you talking about? Have fun. But it's a very interesting thing that I think, um, again, you know, from, a, I guess, a psychological perspective or an emotional perspective, that even when you are in embarking upon something like recording a song that's so heavy and emotional there is this space for you to enjoy and to have fun and to find the the beauty in it you know so yes you know lyrically and sonically that particular song is not a happy song but yet there is fun to be had in making it 
come to life. And right. I, I love the fact that Prince was really consistent um, in his music. And even, you know, if you read or hear interviews that he did in his life, particularly, you know, post the 80s, where he started to talk to people more, um, that he, he frequently references this notion of fun, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, playing the sunshine is not the first place where he's talking about it, but it seems to really become more and more front and center as a life principle, I guess, a, a guiding principle for him. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a great um, commercial for that way of life, right? <laughs> you know, join, join me in, in my pursuit of happiness. This is, uh, you, you get to listen to songs like this. Yeah, run around and play and listen to songs Crazy. like Play in the Sunshine. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna have the drummer do his thing, drummer drummer. That's fun part two. Uh the song kind of ends, you know, they they bring it all down like you know, it's kind of like the come down part. Um mm-hmm. as it kind of fades out or you know t- ends to go into housequake which is the next song and and i think he says something along the lines of let's get out of here um you hear him saying that and suzanne's like yeah you know i think and it, it just kind of like we did our thing you know we we came we had fun we conquered now it's time to break uh this is this isn't gonna last forever i've got other things i want to say on this album <laughs> this long double album uh, <laughs> We, we allotted five minutes for play. Now we got to move on and, and dance. Get back to work. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. And, and House, Housequake is a dance song. Um, not that, you know, Play in the Sunshine obviously can be a dance song as well, but uh, it's it's a little less, like, focused on the funk so much mm-hmm. as Housequake is. So, All right. So, Rhonda, that brings us to the end of the song. Do you have any other comments you wanted to make about the song before we go? So I first of all I I have always loved that ending. I love Susanna's voice on it. I love the little weird. Um, it's very psychedelic as well, which kind of keeps with the theme of the unintentional. We don't need ecstasy, but perhaps we do. Um, <laughs> we don't need it, but we might. You know, maybe we don't need it, that. but we're gonna yeah, I keep it handy. Um, no, but um, I I've always loved that the way that it sounds because it, again it's such a contrast to the rest of the song and like you said it is the come down it's kind of now we've rolled to the bottom of the hill and we've laughed ourselves into oblivion and now we're trying to catch our breath and get it together um so we can go do adult things perhaps like go to work or pick up the kids you know whatever that is um but one of the things that i pointed out in my my twitter thread was the difference in the way the song sounds in, in the recording versus when it was played live in the Sign of the Times film. Um, because I think what, made that, what makes that song even, even more interesting to listen to is the way it transforms with the, the band playing with him, with the Sign of the Times band, if you will, playing with him. Um, it really brings out more of the gospel undertones. But then when you get to the end, Whereas on the recording, you've got this really sort of, you know, psychedelic, everybody's just sort of swaying in the middle of the floor feel. In the film version, the, the live version of the, of the song, it feels more like almost an R&B slow jam. So you still get that contrast in sound, but it changes a bit. And I've always found that to be very interesting. And again, 
if I had had the opportunity to, you know, talk to Prince at some point, I would have wanted to ask him a question like, what was the intent behind changing how it sounded? Did that just happen naturally? Or was there a reason why there is that sonic difference at the end of the song between the album version and the live version? Because you yeah. certainly could have, you know, replicated that same vibe from the album to the, to the stage, you know? Sure, but, but why sure. did it change or... And, and how did it change? Like, what was the reasoning? If there was a reason, you know, maybe that's just how the jam happened. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the only theory I would have is just his band, you know, at the time yeah. was kind of uh, influenced him to, you know, he's like, I have this amazing band with me. Maybe we'd take the song in a different direction now at the end. For sure. Just a theory. Just a theory. For sure. Well, thanks for bringing up that. That's a good, um, good insight. You know, I don't do the live songs, but certainly anybody who's a fan of the song, a fan of Prince probably has heard or watched the movie and then listened to how he recorded and, and played the song live on the side of the times tour and um, picking out those differences does make it, make it interesting, you know, kind of a, the recorded versus live aspect when, when artists make changes like that and how mm-hmm. they perform live, it does make you wonder like, well, was the, kind of what was the reasons behind that what were the um what are the thoughts behind that sometimes you think it's because what was done in the studio might be too hard to replicate but i don't think that to your point i don't think that was the case not either. for prince for, no, for some right. other artists maybe but for prince it was like right yeah do I this mean, in my I, sleep literally yeah, <laughs> could have could have easily replicated that at the end just instead of Susanna, you know cat or sheila or somebody like that doing the kind of the back and forth with him at the end mm-hmm. and then of course the music is doable as well all right. Um, well, gosh, you know, we're already at the end. Play in the sunshine. <laughs> great song. Great song. Uh, would you mind sharing with the listener where they can find your music? Sure. Thank you. Um, so uh, my website is rondanicole.com and I have links to all of my music there. Um, I am on Bandcamp. Um, I'm on Apple Music, Spotify, pretty much everywhere, all the streaming platforms. And um, I will take a moment to just, you know, kind of have that shameless plug and just say, you know, I am an independent artist. And so thank you in advance for your support. And, you know, any any person, you know, who gives it a listen, I, I deeply appreciate. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. And I hope the listeners will check out your music. Thank you. And I want to thank you for joining me today, taking time out of your day to join me, Rhonda. And, um, this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the Press Rewind Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I also have a blog, PressRewind.net. You can find me and find some of the musings I have on Prince and, and music in general there. Hope you'll find me on Discord. Discord server link is going to be in social media, all my social media platforms. And until next time, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.